Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 239. Hey, my Richers, how are you doing? I'm Hayut, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. When I asked my guest today, Yara Starat, for his best advice to entrepreneurs, he said, Even today, with our current business, it's about the customer and figuring out not just what they want, but the psychology behind how they are dealing with that problem. You have to actually meet your customers where they are, then present information that gets their attention. Secondarily, you have to present an alternative pattern or way of doing something to solve their problem. I love the way Yaro talked about the psychology of how the customers are dealing with the problem. My definition for marketing is looking at things from the point of view of your customers. First, because this is the only way you will be able to help them. And second, simply because the money you are looking for is in their pocket. I enjoyed this interview with Yaro, and I believe you are going to enjoy it too. It seems like he really figured out the entrepreneurial way to success. Yara Starak is the co-founder of InboxDan.com, an email management company with a team of more than 25 people serving clients including restaurant owners, venture capitalists, accountants, doctors, lawyers, real estate agents, car retailers, online coaches, and more. Yaro had made 30-plus angel investments in tech startups including Steezy, Lead IQ, Fluent Forever, Fitbod, and Nutrisense. His property investment in Canada and Ukraine, and in partnership built a 3.6 MW solar farm. During the mid-2000s, Yaro sold his first company, BetterEdis.com, then built an online education business, Blog Mastermind, selling over $2 million of his books and online courses as he traveled the world, living in 26 different cities. Yaro has been featured in Sky News, Forbes, Entrepreneur's Magazine, Huffington Post, Business Insider, Founder, and hundreds of media outlets and events. Let's listen to my interview with Yaro Starat. Yaro Stark. Hi, what a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you, Hayut. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I just shared with our audience, with our listeners, what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Well, today, I, well, it's a, there's no short answer. I, I'm I kind of started being an entrepreneur because I wanted variety. So I'm kind of passionate about my own company right now, Inbox Done, 
I'm also passionate about angel investing, something I've done more recently, which I'm really excited to do because it's exposure to great ideas and great people. Um, I have a podcast as well, so I love doing podcast interviews again with you know exciting, interesting people. So those are probably the three things I'm I'm most excited about right now. Um, other than that, just the usual, you know, living, being in nature, good food, all those sorts of things. Hmm. And uh, where are you heading? What do you have in front of you? Well, um, I'm 42, so I feel like I'm halfway there. Maybe, maybe less, less than halfway. <laughs> My grandmother lived to 105, so maybe I'm not quite halfway. Uh, but in terms of where I'm heading, I, I don't do long-term plans. I, I tend to think about what I'm doing right now and then what might be after what I'm doing right now. So I'm also thinking about another startup I might do in the software as a service space. Um, I do want to travel, which is something I always want to do, so I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, where am I heading? I, I think... more of the same honestly if i could stay around this trajectory but obviously new challenges you know bigger results all those things are, are so exciting and, and seeing more of the world so not too complicated hmm. and tell me a bit about your career how did you start how did you get to what you're doing today and what are you doing today exactly so i was lucky I, when i was 18 years old in uh, brisbane australia that's where i was born I entered university and it was the dot-com boom for the first time we were sort of hearing about business online and I was the kind of person at 18 I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew I did not want to have a job a boss an alarm clock that would force me to wake up at a certain time um, a cap on my income potential I just wasn't sure how to make enough money to survive given I didn't want those things so mm. I knew I kind of knew that entrepreneurship was was the likely path i just didn't know what kind of business uh, but thankfully with the dot-com boom happening and entering university i was given access to the internet i was just constantly exposed to ideas on you know digital space so i started a, a website it was really more of a hobby about a card game i played called magic the gathering um It was like a high school game that I played. It's a bit like poker with dragons and elves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my first website. It really was an experiment. I made some money from advertising. And then eventually I had a little e-commerce store selling the cards. Learned a lot. Didn't make me rich. I might have made $500 a month during the best, best months. But it was my university kind of. Instead of having a job, I was able to live off that. Well, staying with my parents, of course. Um, then I went and uh, after graduation, I actually started what I call my first little business. Uh, it was called Better Edit. It was an essay and thesis academic editing service. Um, basically, I acted as a, kind of like an agency. I connected the university professors and PhD uh, graduates, people with very good academic writing. They would provide a proofreading and kind of feedback service to often university students who had English as a second language. wasn't a writing service just an editing and sort of critiquing service that grew into a full-time income for me and most importantly it was a digital business that I could travel with and you know basically do what I always dream not have a boss and, and live where I want and be independent um, the one problem with that business was I was running the email side of it and this is an important part of the story because my company today inbox done was born from this one problem I had all those years ago which was you being trapped to the inbox and having to reply to customer queries, reply to any kind of questions and deal with all the messages coming to your inbox. So 
I decided I had to break free from that. And I hired a friend who was a stay-at-home mom. She took over the inbox. It took about a month to really hand it over because I'll be honest, I didn't really know if she could do the job I was doing. I was skeptical. Uh, it turned out it worked. Uh, it worked really well. I ended up basically waking up on a Monday morning after I trained her and she'd taken over and there was zero in emails in my inbox. I actually thought my <laughs> computer was broken at the time, but no, it was it was working. She had just got into my inbox before I had. And that freed me to really have that kind of digital nomad lifestyle. That also was a fortuitous business for me because it connected me with the world of blogging. So for about 10 years after that, uh, this is I'm talking about mid 2000s. So from about 2004, 2005, I started writing a blog. It was because a friend told me blogs are great for Google search traffic. So I started one initially for my essay editing company. Do not like writing about essay writing and thesis writing is kind mm -hmm. of a boring topic for me. But I loved to share stories about being an entrepreneur. So I ended up starting a, a side project called Entrepreneur's Journey. It was meant to be just a blog to explore the topics that we care about as entrepreneurs, really. Um, but it surprised me. I grew an audience. I found out I loved writing and, and creating content. I didn't see myself as a coach, teacher type person. But through the art of blogging and then podcasting and then growing an email newsletter, I eventually became an online sort of coach and created some courses, some eBooks. And I ran that business for about 10 years. I, I still have it. it. That was my you know, main focus for 10 years, teaching courses traveling around the world. It was amazing. Um, and then about five years ago, I kind of realized I wanted to step down a bit from that type of business. I was, I basically felt like I created every course I wanted to and taught every lesson I wanted to teach and uh, then decided to start the company that I run today, Inbox Done, with actually one of my uh, email assistants. Her name is Claire. She became my co-founder because she was so good at what she did with email management. Mm -hmm. She showed leadership. I said, Claire, we need to see if we can test this idea. You can be the first assistant, email assistant. I'll bring hopefully a few clients. We can test it out. And uh, the test worked, thankfully, and we went and mm -hmm. built the business since then. So and now we have about 25 email assistants. And um, she's like the CEO and I'm the CMO. And we basically run the company together. And uh, yeah, it's a great business. And what is the company? What do you do? Uh, the simple answer is we provide virtual executive assistants who specialize in breaking you free from any of your inboxes. So your email, we reply to your messages, we manage your email, we build systems around your email. Same with social media inboxes. So if you're getting a lot of Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter messages and so on. Um, and then also all the tasks that kind of executive assistants typically do. So we manage scheduling your calendar basic research, basic data entry, um, certainly anything to do with customer support. But we really specialize in taking entrepreneurs, founders, executives out of their inboxes, giving them back that one, two, three, four hours a day they used to spend in there and providing essentially like that, almost like an email receptionist. So someone is going to do all the basic emails first. You're still going to do the important ones. It might be five or 10% that you have to deal with. We work with you in tandem, and, and they're a dedicated assistant. In fact, we give you two, and they work with you um, five days a week and, and get to the inbox zero every day. Well, sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a lot of email? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> As an entrepreneur, what would be your best advice 
about approaching the customers to any of the entrepreneurs that are listening to us right now? To approach the customers as in to find them or just to service them? Anything that has to do with customers. It can be any other advice as well, but usually this podcast focuses on customers and how to approach your customers and customer focus since this is something that most entrepreneurs lack. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something, I mean, even today with our current business, the customer and figuring out not just what they want, but the psychology about how they're dealing with that problem has, or not dealing with that problem has been a surprising challenge for us. Um, I thought when I would go out into the world and say, we can help you get out of your inbox. Everyone would be like, of course, I want that straight away. But I, I didn't realize there are people who they know they need it, but it's like a, a drug they're addicted to. There's habits in place. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's ways they go about doing things that are their patterns. So you have to actually meet your customers where they are and then present information that first gets their attention but then secondarily, you have to present an alternative pattern or alternative way of doing something in order to solve their problems. You have to kind of almost guide them through a process of having an aha moment. For us, it's simple. It's like the aha moment is you don't have to be the one who does email. That's for our business. Um, in my previous business, when I was a coach and teacher, the other or the big aha moment for a lot of people was you don't have to spend your entire life working a job and living in the same city. Mm-hmm. You can have a, you know, a digital business and you can take what you are good at and, and translate that into education and help others, you know, and, and make a living. So there's always this sense of breaking some kind of a perceived uh, way the world works that isn't necessarily true. And once you kind of shatter that, then they see the potential and then they're more willing and open to le- listen to you and potentially either, you know, hire from you, buy from you, or at least start learning from you. And then that helps to build the customer relationship. And of course, that's a stepping stone to ultimately them becoming, hopefully, a long-term customer. So that's been a big one, especially with my current business. Hmm. So what you're saying is that first you have to meet your customers, whatever they are, and in order to take them to wherever you want them to be or you can help them to be. Yes, great summary, exactly. Hmm. You've got successes, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? So, yeah, there's been some failures, that's for sure. Um, I think the, the biggest one I can think back to, uh, I have a company, I had a company, I didn't mention it in the story because it is a failure. Um, it was a, an advertising management company that I started as a proper startup. Like I got two co-founders and we were attempting to build essentially a platform that would help other blog bloggers, people who write blogs, to find advertisers and you know, make some, some income. And we started building a software platform for them. But what I, I guess I didn't really realize and understand about the customer base was they needed something from us that we really couldn't provide, which is the access to the right type of sponsor at a, at a very high level in terms of 
the scope and the amount of people we could help them reach. So it was very um, you know, easy to talk about the service and say, you need advertisers, give them the tool to use it. But then the actual act of getting the sponsor, finding the right sponsor, you know, convincing them to purchase advertising, they were just so far away from being capable of doing that, that ultimately, you know, we couldn't help them solve the problem. So we didn't have a workable business. So I guess it kind of ties into what I now answered your previous question, where I understood where the customer was and I went to there first with this business. I didn't realize how far back the, the customer was in, in their kind of journey that I couldn't help them make it to the next phase. They were just so far like they needed to really almost learn how to grow and start an entire business, build their entire audience first. Then they'd be ready to actually go and get advertisers. So it's like they were at the beginning of the journey and I was I really need to be talking to people who were at least in the middle of the journey. So it was a bit of a, again, a failure of understanding that journey that they were on as an entrepreneur and, and where I was trying to help them in that journey. Uh, and, and that's a challenge because there's a lot of beginners out there and far from mm -hmm. people who are successful. And when you want to help beginners, you have to help them with the beginner steps. But when you want to help successful people, you need to help them with the part of the process they're failing with, which is often further along. And I was at, I was hoping to help those people where most of my audience was much earlier on with the beginner phase. Hmm. And now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Yeah, so you know, it, it's funny because when I think about success, I personally, I think back to some of the very first experiences I had selling anything that I had created. Uh, but that's more about me and, and less about my customers. I feel really today... Um, in more recent experiences with my customers, it's been about adapting to them rather than getting them to adapt to us. So for example, mm -hmm. um, we like, I, I consider as a, it's a big success that my business inbox doesn't even exist right now. I obviously, you know, every entrepreneur feels that, but I think when I, in hindsight, now that we've got five years and I talk to some of our customers where they've been with us for four years, three years, very long-term customers, and you've seen them grow with us uh, and we've grown with them in the sense that they were initially just joining us to get their email managed and then they realized, oh, wow, I could also hand over my calendar. Oh, I could also hand over managing this uh, social media group that I own. Oh, I can give them um, basic data entry into my task management software. So long story short, they have all these needs that they don't realize they can delegate and we can just simply say, we can do that. We can do that too. We can do that too. We might have to give them a second and a third and a fourth assistant or add more time. And then they go even further than that. They're like, you know what? Can you do this for my my other person in my company? You know, you're doing a great job for me. Can we bring on my assistant or my co-founder or my could even be my husband or my wife? Mm -hmm. And just to see that uh, internal word of mouth growth or just simply upgrading in, in their purchases of services from us and and it's because they're just getting tremendous value and to me like meeting the need of helping them break free and, and delegating is the biggest customer success it's what i love talking about the business too it's not always the nuts and bolts it's the idea that by delegating you get to focus on your creative genius or you get to focus on your family or you get to focus on exercise and health where these things may have been neglected because you're too busy doing all these everyday routine tasks, including email, including your calendar. 
So if we can help them break free from that, to me, the biggest customer success is what they then do with their life instead. Love that. Mm. Yeah, well, can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer-focused marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, so I can't speak about this one with too much experience beyond what we do internally. And I'll be honest, it's more about my team managing our customers than me because I'm on the marketing side and my team is on the customer service side. You know, they're the ones who actually deliver the value and help the customers. But I know um, we've had a, a tremendous increase in our ability to provide value using something as simple as what well, we use Process Street. I'm not sure if many of your users will know about it. Um, it's kind of like a task management tool or more like a, a to-do list manager, the way I like to call it. And what I love about it is I, I, I hate it when things are forgotten or missed, um, often because, you know, I'm the founder. So no one has the sense of attention to detail at the level myself and my, my co-founder Claire does. And that and that's bad for customers because there are certain simple things like take this one simple thing, sending a welcome email after a new customer first buys what you sell. We didn't have that for a long time. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, I, I had that with my previous business. It was one of the first things I did. You've got to you take someone's money, they need to see some kind of here, here's what you're getting or here's what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that because we're such a service oriented company. It's not like, you know, they buy something and here's the product. It's like they buy something and you're starting an experience with us. By using Process Street, we could take all the things that I knew were these attention to detail steps that had to happen to make sure the customer onboarding experience was great and basically document them, make it a to-do list and give it to our team to then go through as a process so that it's never forgotten. It's not something that we have to kind of just remember to do or one person has written down. It's a process that's a, 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 a system that always operates whenever a new customer uh, or a new person signs up as a customer. And I love that because I, I do love systems. I do love amazing customer support. I love a very good onboarding process because I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most criti- critical times. The day someone gives you money, is the day you really have to over-deliver because you know, that's a huge decision they've made. And it's not a small amount of money for us, too. It's you know $2,000 first-time customer sometimes, so you really have to return something of value. So, yeah, big fan of something like Process Street as a way to kind of internally manage the, the customer experience. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I've always loved the connection between consistency and compounding. I don't know if that's one factor or two. I might be cheating with my answer here. <laughs> youth, but, <laughs> a bit. Um, a little bit. But I do really I, like I, that. Thank you. I know for me, those two together, and then they're almost one and the same, because if you are consistent, then you allow compounding to occur. And I've seen it over and over again in every single business, not just business, any single significant outcome you're looking for in your life, you know, whether it might be losing weight or gaining muscle or, um, you know, buying your first house, all these things that you're trying to do that are, are bigger changes uh, in, in terms of business. It's simply, you know, the act of growing a business, getting your first customers, your first 10, your first 100, 
it takes consistently working towards the goal. And because you're consistent, you allow the small iterative improvements to occur, the compounding that leads to the results. So you need the consistency to trigger the compounding and it's the compounding that ultimately leads to the big results. You know, it's that whole, like we're talking about metaphors before, it's the um, the journey of a thousand steps, you know, begins with one, you know, that sort of scenario. And I, I for me, I, I really think back, especially to my, my blogging career and, and to a degree podcasting as well. You write an article today, nothing happens. But you write an article tomorrow, maybe nothing happens. But you do today, tomorrow, or the next day, the next day. You keep writing, you keep reaching and connecting with people. You look back in two years and suddenly you've got this subscriber base. You've got the potential to make money. And it's because you did that one activity over and over again consistently. It compounded. And now you have you know, the potential to have a full-blown business. Hmm. Now that's true. My final question, before I ask you what is the best way to connect with you, my final question is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I've been imagining this journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain. Step after step after step, and then when you reach the peak, usually you are looking to climb a higher peak. Sometimes you need to go down in order to reach the peak. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I want to ask you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Yeah, it's an unusual question. I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I've always been, when I've been around mountains, there is definitely an urge to wonder what's at the top. And it's funny, too, because it's mostly a case of, just wanting to say I was there and you know because it's there you want to you want to climb it it's a weird feeling mm-hmm. um, I, I've spent some time in Vancouver which is a city surrounded by mountains and there's mm-hmm. always that sense of what is up there what does it look like what does it feel like um, I know it, it's probably just beautiful and like every mountain you know when you see an amazing view but there's something more than that it's that sense of the achievement of the, of the experience right. so I, I feel like um, and I, I love the way you phrase this, too, in the sense that there's a bit of a treadmill for entrepreneurs where you have this goal in the future that you want to reach. You reach it, you feel a momentary high, and then you realize that really you know, isn't as fulfilling as you expect it to be while you were trying to get there. So then you have to set yourself a new goal, another higher mountain to climb, uh, and, and then you do it again. Now, of course, if you do that enough times and you maybe you start studying a bit of philosophy or spiritual content, you start to hear the message that the journey is more important than the destination. It's the climbing of the mountain rather than being at the top. But I do feel they go hand in hand, you know, you enjoy every day, but really do celebrate when you do reach the top. So um, for me, that's been the case. But I've also, like you mentioned, had certainly gone backwards uh, in, in experiences with, with business and in life as well. So I also respect the mountain in the sense that I it's not I may not get to the top too. So I have to keep hmm. adjusting what the top of the mountain might be for me, um, given this the conditions I'm working within now. And then just enjoy each day. Each each day of that consistent compounding that I'm doing, I've got to enjoy that. Otherwise there's no point uh, you know working to climb that mountain. Hmm. Beautiful answer. Now, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? 
Well, if anything, I said around uh, outsourcing your email and, and, you know, looking for a virtual executive assistant appeals, then inboxdone.com is definitely the place to go. Uh, in terms of my own journey, just uh, my blog and it's my, my website still has the blog and a podcast and I'm active there and as a good summary of me, which is yarrow.blog, Y-A-R-O.B-L-O-G. Great. And we'll have these two links in the show notes of this interview. Yara, I would like to thank you so much for this interview and for the stories you shared with us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.